Welcome to Business Resilience Decoded. From Disaster Recovery Journal and Asphalus Advisors. Now, here's your host, Vanessa Vaughn Matthews. Welcome to Business Resilience Decoded. I am your host, Vanessa Vaughn Matthews, the founder and chief resilience officer of Asphalus Advisors. We have an accomplished guest lined up for you today speaking on the topic of competencies to be a leader in organizational resilience. Let's jump right in and meet our guest, Linda Nelson, the president of ICOR. Linda, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you, Vanessa. I appreciate the opportunity to talk more about organizational resilience and the competencies for leaders. Can you tell our, our listeners a little bit more about yourself and how you got into the world of resilience? Well, you know, Vanessa, if you've lived long enough, you have a, a varied path that you take throughout your life. And so I have, um, I actually began as a teacher. So my degree is in education and I have a master's degree in that as well as special education. And what happened was I had four kids in five years and then all of a sudden I couldn't get back to the, to the formal classroom. It just wasn't feasible. And so um, at that time, my husband was a business continuity consultant and he was offered the opportunity by DRII to become their lead instructor and write their curriculum tied to their 10 professional practices. And I'm like, okay, I know how to write curriculum, teach me about business continuity. And so that really became my new direction from being you know, high school teacher to um, learning about business continuity. And then that led to organizational resilience. So I combined my knowledge of education and curriculum development with his knowledge of business continuity and we were off. So during that same time, um, his company, Business Continuity Services, was part of an international team and they were working in Thailand for their central bank and they were implementing business continuity there. And what this international team was really, really interesting because they found what they were implementing was more than what was concluded in the traditional business continuity professional practices. And so once the project was completed, we got the team together and actually we met in Bangkok and we brainstormed about what it is we actually did. And this was in 2004. So we got this big, at the time, chalkboard together, <laughs> and we created a concept map, and we talked about all the things that we were doing with the central bank, and we found that we were managing risk in all different kinds of areas, and it was more than what was traditional business continuity. And so we said, well, what is it that we're doing? And we decided we were going to call it resilience. And then we added the adjective organizational versus business resilience because we wanted to be clear it wasn't just about businesses. It was for any organization, large or small, no matter what they were doing. And so in, in 2005, this group of consultants created i and we started with our organizational resilience framework. And this was our starting point. And we believe this really laid the groundwork for much of the resilience efforts globally today. So you're a founding member of i I am, yep, about as the beginning as the beginning. <laughs> wow. And, and so what does i stand for? So, of course, when you have a lot of people together from all different countries, it's really hard to agree on names. But we wanted the name is International Consortium for Organizational Resilience, which is a lot to say, which is why we go by i But we wanted to be really clear that we're international. And we started, like I said, in Southeast Asia. And the consortium idea was that we wanted to be a network. We wanted to be able to bring all the different ways that people manage risk and organizations manage risk into one framework so that it was done on purpose and that it wasn't done in silos. And so breaking the silos has become kind of a theme of what we were doing. And so then, like I said, the word organizational was intentional and the word resilience was intentional. 
So we started in 2005 as a nonprofit, and we really started with education as our primary line of business. And then we realized probably within about three years that we needed to do some certification and credentialing with that. But where our mission is to bring together those many silos and industries and those separate bodies of knowledge that individually support resilience and, the, and managing risk into one framework or one profession. So we are global. Um, we educate, we credential, and we're really taking a leadership position in the world as well. So let me ask you this. So there, there are many different uh, approaches, philosophies, standards. Where's your place in that conversation with all these different organizations that have a different way of how we should do things? So are you talking about organizational resilience or those individual disciplines? No. So I'm talking about, um, I think about like DRII, mm -hmm. NIST, ISO, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I personally think that we have silos in this industry. We certainly do. Yeah. So how how do you guys, I guess, foster those relationships and create that dialogue with all these these different groups? So within those? the different disciplines, I can since this is a business continuity conference, I can start there. It, within our credentialing program, we accredit different organizations, certifications, and education programs towards I-Course certification, which I'll talk about in a little bit. So for example, if you're certified by BCI or DRI, you automatically fulfill the criteria for business continuity. If you're certified by ISACA and you have your information security certification, where you automatically fill that information security piece and so on. So we, if you look on our website, we've got lots and lots of lists of organizations that we've accredited to say, you know, you can get your ITIL and that counts for some of your IT competencies. So there's different ways to prove you have competencies with, within each ones of these individual disciplines, and you don't have to get them from i -Corps. You can show us how you can get them. So that's one way that we feel that we're acting as a consortium of bringing things together. We also um, work very closely. So in the past, BCI dropped their lead auditor or their auditor course for business continuity, and their um, instructors and their training partners all taught our, because ours was ANSI accredited, um, ISO 223 and lead auditor. So we've been working in the business continuity field to develop relationships with those different organizations as well. Awesome. Okay. So you say you educate and you also started as an educator. So I love that. Tell me more about i education program. Well, and I can speak to that because from teaching special education and trying to get kids with special needs or young adults with special needs ready for the workplace, it isn't just about providing the curriculum. It isn't just about standing up in front and lecturing. There's many different ways to learn. And so we feel that our, our education program is very agile with its delivery. Um, one of the things that we do when we have an instructor-led course is that we ship out our books ahead of time because we believe that not everybody learns by listening. Therefore, people might want to read ahead of time, read the materials, and we tell people, highlight the stuff that you don't know and where you want to ask questions and prepare for the class ahead of time. So we have the traditional instructor-led, um, and we also have the traditional e-learning where people can just log in and sign up and take whatever classes they want. One of the things that we um, have added in the past few years and I think is really the future of education is what we're calling blended learning. And we practiced this when we had our business continuity curriculum was part of Norwich's master's degree for business continuity. And our crisis management communication curriculum was part of the University of Illinois Chicago's um, emergency and continuity certificate. And so we had to have an e-learning delivery, but then we met weekly for online discussions and talking and all of that. And then we had, of course, our online chat types of discussions as well. So what we did is we've modified our traditional e-learning and instructor-led for this blended learning where we use technology. We use GoToWebinar, 
it's pretty straightforward. Everybody knows how to use that. And everybody logs in at the same time. We show the screen, we teach, we have the same, um, we're able to turn the screen over to different students. And we keep those classes to be six people or less because it's just people can't network. So we have our breaks when we, people would normally do their activities or do their small group work. I turn it over or the instructor turns it over to the students and they can share their screens back and forth. And it's really, really fun. And people don't have to travel. So therefore, a lot of times they can actually participate in something without having to travel and therefore that their costs are reduced as well. And ironically, the older people are the ones, you know, people my age, I'll say I'm over 50, they actually enjoy it more than anybody else. And the fact is that they're the most belligerent about it. We just say, if you don't like it, you get your money back. And then they come on, they go, this is the best way to learn ever. Because that we, you know, you sell them, a lot of people that are older are afraid of technology and they like it the way they like it. Um, but we have just really enjoyed that. Plus, we also sell our course books. So for the people that maybe don't like being with other people when they learn, um, our course books are so well written, you can just buy them and learn from them. And, and if you want to challenge an exam, you can. That's the part that we feel is um, our curriculum is very well founded. We are ANSI accredited, meaning we have to prove that we're following the rules, just like you would for an international standard and getting certified too. We have to follow rules to a standard about how we teach, how we deliver, and how we write our curriculum and how we exam. Okay, so what I heard you say is you guys have been able to make training and education fun. <laughs> I, I believe so, and it should be interactive as well, you know, and we try to we try to not only use multimedia for entertainment, but for learning as well, because people learn different ways. Awesome. And you also mentioned that you have an, a more professional group of folks that really like the go-to meeting. If you don't mind, can you help myself and our listeners understand more about your demographics? You know, do you have a certain number of young people, male versus female? Are they all from America, international folks? You mean as far as students? Yes. So our students are international, so we work through training partners. We believe in having, and this is sort of interesting because the new curriculum we're going to be launching is talking about um, having a flatter organization versus a hierarchical organization. And so we really, really trust in our training partners, and our training partners are responsible for the delivery of our curriculum, and they hire their own instructors, and we do, you know, the traditional train the trainer and things. So um, just last week, we had a class in Columbia, for example. So our classes are translated into Spanish. We also teach in Brazil. They teach in Portuguese, our critical environments and our data center courses. In Manila and the Philippines, they teach in English, but they're, you know, they're, our training partner is in the Philippines and Singapore, Australia. The only place that I think that we really haven't had a big reach is probably in Europe. And that's, um, we have a new training partner that we're just bringing on board for that. So we've got a pretty decent reach in India and the Middle East. That's with the two new training partners that have come on board this year. So they're building those programs. And um, yeah, Canada, Latin America, Mexico. We teach out of Mexico City as well. I love it. Okay. So you mentioned that I-Corps certifies in different disciplines. Is this what comprises your certification program? So that's actually a really good question. When we developed our organizational resilience framework back in 2005, we had 10 disciplines. And each discipline had a role to play in, in increasing an organization's resilience. It's not easy to say organizational resilience over and over again, by the way, in case you're wondering. <laughs> so I uh, serve as an expert in the United States delegation to Technical Committee 292, which sounds like a lot, but that's actually, it's really about business continuity, emergency management, and resilience. There's just a lot of other words that they use within there. And so 
Um, I was one of the experts and helped author the um, standard that came out in 2016 about organizational resilience principles and attributes. And we weren't able to go as far with that as we wanted because it was really hard to get experts in organizational resilience because it isn't a discipline or it isn't a strategy that has been implemented very much in the world. And so you had, we had a lot of emergency managers and business continuity people trying to write a standard about something they might not know very much about. So it took us a really long time. And we really only identified what I think is the definition of OR and what it, what it might look like. So we have a lot more work to do on that. But as an outcome of that, we realized that our framework was outdated and we need to be agile and adaptive, which is what we pretty much define resilience as about. And so we redid our whole framework and we now have 12 disciplines and we reorganized. We really felt that there was 13, but we didn't feel comfortable having a framework with 13. So we kind of facility management kind of lost out, but it's still there. It's just a little bit hidden. But you know, there's sometimes you have to do things to make something make sense as well. And we used all of our training partners to help with that, as well as our board members, our education people. And then of course, we had it as an output of that 22316 standard that was developed. So we provide discipline-specific education and credentialing. For example, we certify ISO 22301 lead implementers. We certify ISO 22301 lead auditors. We also certify people in crisis management communications. We're the only organizations globally that has a certification. And I was going to tell you, I looked at your, your website. I have been looking it's a really for great who class. does that, and I love the fact that you are unique in that. It, it is a nice differentiator because a lot of, at the beginning, people knew us as business continuity people and they just kept saying, you know, I-Corps is about business continuity and it's really about a tenth of what we do. Um, our, one of our largest sectors is the data center group and so we have actually six courses in critical environments, including the Department of Energy's energy practitioner that they picked I-Corps to deliver that as one of the um, partners in the United States to do that. And we also certify people what we're calling information and communication technology continuity or ICT continuity because we don't want to call it ITDR. It's more than IT, it's communications, and it's more than recovery. It's about you want to be continuous. And so those are the discipline-specific certifications we have. But we are really, really excited because we are in the process of launching. In fact, we had our first class in Bogota, Colombia this month, taught in Spanish, um, our competency-based education and certification program. And this has taken some time to develop because that, like I said, the strategy of OR People didn't really understand what that means. And I'm calling organizational resilience a strategy versus a discipline, because I think that organizational resilience is made up of many disciplines, and it's all part of an overall strategy. So we identified 25 competencies needed by those who wish to lead the resilience strategy in their organization. So they might be people that have um, experience with what we're calling preparedness and managing risk. There's a, so we have five clusters and 25 competencies altogether. So each cluster has five competencies. So we, our first one is organizational behavior, and we're talking about things like leadership, culture, knowledge management, change management, which actually managing change is a theme throughout the entire series of 25 courses, and project management. And then we talk about organizational infrastructure, so we're talking those things about your structure and design, your workplace design, your facility management, how you manage, um, and I'm probably going to forget something here, your HR aspects as well as your finance. And then we move into the traditional two clusters. We have one on IT, information security, information technology, and we have another cluster that's your 
you know, risk management, business continuity, crisis management, incident response, supply chain. And then we close up with what we call our continual improvement. Our final cluster, our final competency is about community resilience and companies needing to understand that where you put your companies also has an impact on your own organization's resilience. So this new launch is, it's very different where our business continuity, you know, lead implementers, a three-day class. Our crisis management and communication planners, a three-day class with a certification. You're, you're, what we're doing there is building experts, taking a deep dive into those, and we try to um, tie to international standards wherever we can. To each one of our competencies is about an hour. So it's a very different aspect, and we're looking at 25 competencies, so about 25 hours. So it's, it's like looking at something over three days, but looking at it in individual pieces or lessons, well, however yeah. you want to call that. So... I want to pause there. As an employer myself, I really appreciate that you guys are starting with the foundation of change management, project management, that you're talking to them about how the business is structured, facilities, operations. It matters. It matters. <laughs> and it, you know, it, you know, I I was talking to a colleague today, and you know, I think sometimes we can operate like a robot and just follow a standard, but it is something to be said about someone who understands how a business truly operates, how they make money, how they lose money, and then more importantly, understanding that your role is really, you are a change agent. Well, and that's where our, um, that's where our certification is really for people who wanna be in senior and top management, to be honest. And that might be a challenge for us in that you know top management doesn't traditionally get certified and so, you know, as part, if you're, if you're really strong in a couple of disciplines, it might be a, a way to move forward and, and get into senior and top management. We don't know. All we know is that we feel it's the right thing to do. We are also working on what's called a new work item proposal for ISO. We're going to be launching um, another standard on organizational resilience and the competencies needed. So hopefully it'll look similar to what we've developed, but if not, we'll modify our program because being able to do that new work item proposal will, uh, will actually help us to um, get a, even a broader international view on something than we have now. Gotcha. All right, so I have one more question before I jump to a different subject. And you may have already touched on this, but you know, if you have um, two to three bullets that you can give me, how does the certification help leaders with their competencies? So what we're trying to do is intentionally show employers that OR is more than, than only managing risk, because as you said, I, I mean, as you shared, out of the three out of the five competencies are not about managing risk. They're about managing change and looking at how to best organize yourself in order to do that. And it is more than having a good business continuity program and a good ITDR program. And that message needs to get to management and to get to companies so they understand how to become more resilient. And it's not just following somebody that sells you a package for your IT programs. There's a lot more to it than that. You know, we're, gonna, we're certifying people as certified organizational resilience managers, which means they either have competence in two disciplines or they have competence in 15 of those leadership competencies. As a professional, it's four disciplines or 20 competencies. And as an executive, it's six disciplines, which is really tough. By the way, there's only a handful of people in the world that have done that. Less than 10, it's not easy. It's all 25 competencies. That's what we, that's the really the job we have ahead of us is to teach the international world what it is that OR is and who they need to be leading that. Because right now, you know, you, you, for example, you have the word resilience in your job title. Well, what does that mean? And we've actually, the presentation I'm doing on Tuesday, I'm running a workshop and 
I look at all the different job titles out there and their job descriptions of what they're doing and they have resilience in them and so many of them are, are really IT or business continuity. They're not doing any, it, many of those things that, that we identified in the 25 competencies. So do you have any published materials? We do, and actually this is kind of an exciting question. We do a monthly blog, we call it the iCorrespondence Newsletter. And most recently, we've been following the resilience of a private high school in Minnesota, um, following their recovery from a deadly explosion in August of 2017. And they essentially lost all, they lost their whole school plus the administrative offices three weeks before their school was supposed to be in. And they, they actually started only one week late at an alternative site and they opened their new building up on August 21st of 2019, just a couple of weeks ago. So we have been following that. I happened to be lucky enough, I was a graduate of that school, it was a private school, so they had some, you know, there's some things that they can do that public schools maybe couldn't, but they also had some challenges that, you know, public schools wouldn't have. And having been a graduate from that school, all my siblings went to school there, my father went to school there, I've had access to all of their leadership team, including their president, so I've had interviews from all these people. And I'm going to be writing a um, textbook on this that's going to go with our curriculum eventually when we're there, but writing a textbook takes a bit. On the negative side of this, or the sad side of this, is that there were two people that were killed in that, in that explosion, and one of them was my father. So this has personal for me as well. Um, I haven't really shared that in any of the blogs, and I'll be sharing that at the very last blog that I think will go out in December, um, because I'm gonna talk about how they handled HR. And out of the, um, well, out of all of the administrators, I believe there was over 20 of them in the building at the time, they were all injured and they all continued to have um, concussion syndrome, problems with their backs. They all were in the building when it exploded. And so um, there's some really big learnings for HR out of this. And so I'm trying to capture that and I'm taking a little bit more time with it to make sure I'm doing it right. Um, we also, in 2017, we launched our webinar program. I'm really excited about that. We have a webinar usually 10 months out of the year, so we usually miss November and December or have one because we do it the third week of the month. Um, so we usually end up, if we add one, we'll do it at the beginning of December, but it, we find that it's hard for people just to do those. And those are available for free and they're available um, for 30 days to anyone on our website. And then we do make them part of our membership only on-demand piece. We have an active LinkedIn company and group pages. We'd love to have you contribute. And I just want to say our next initiative, we'd hope to have it out by now, but looks like it'll be a 2020 ping, is to launch podcasts as well. And so we feel that we can take the content of what we're doing in our webinars followed. We usually take the webinar content and write something in a blog about it as well. And then we also want to take that and add the podcast piece to it. So that's our three kind of way that we're launching. But um, you know, and I think, I feel like I have a stake in the published materials we've done through ISO as well, through the work at be, having I-Corps board members serve to write 22301, to write 22313 and all of the guidance documents, and then of course to write ISO 22316 and organizational resilience, also working on the community resilience, and i has just been awarded a liaison status for TC292, which means that we can bring in global, we can bring in people who have expertise in organizational resilience. We're looking for people who have it in their job title and have actually done it to serve. And those being a liaison means in the past, it was just Linda's voice as an expert coming from the US. Now we can have as many experts as we want coming from any part of the world 
submitting their, their suggestions and their comments through the I-Corps liaison status. So we'll give a much broader re reach on the OR thing. So that's the thing we're most excited about. Awesome. And how can our listeners find you? Are you on social media? I am. And you know, I wasn't really good at social media. So somehow I ended up with two LinkedIn. So if you find the one that has like five followers, don't friend me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it is, you know, Linda Nelson. And my name is spelled L-Y-N-N-D-A because Nelson is a very common last name. So it's hard to find us. But yeah, I have I, I publish everything that we do on our LinkedIn, many different sites, but also of course, the iCore's LinkedIn. And what is iCore's website? It's actually build-resilience.org. Awesome. So when I first introduced her, I told you that she was accomplished. And I just want to make sure that you guys heard what I heard. Number one, she's driven and it's led by passion. And um, her father has clearly had an impact on her. So I definitely um, admire you for taking this step and making it bigger than you. Secondly, she's global and she has made an impact across the world. And so I really appreciate women in this industry who break down barriers, who lead, who also come back and pull the rest of us up and um, influence. And so I want to thank you for your leadership and for what you're doing across the world. You're very welcome. I appreciate you having me today. This is my first podcast. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, there you have it. Thanks for tuning in to Business Resilience Decoded with the Disaster Recovery Journal and Asphalus Advisors. Subscribe, share, download, and look out for future episodes. Business Resilience Decoded is produced and edited by John Seals. For more information, visit drj.com slash decoded and asphalusadvisors.com slash decoded. Write to us on Twitter at drdecoded. decoded.